You know, for centuries, young parents raised their children in the same community as their extended family. Best practices for raising and disciplining children were both modeled and supported by the entire community around them. But today, the vast majority of young parents don't live anywhere near their family. And even when they do, they may not want to discipline their children the way they personally experienced it growing up. Consequently, too many parents are using the figure it out as we go method as they're YouTubing and Google searching their way for direction through the parenting years. And as parents turn around and partner with schools, their lack of consistency and discipline makes raising the next generation even more challenging. My guest today shares as a grandparent, a biblical view of discipline for younger children that he shared with his own children as they were seeking advice. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it ancient future education for raising the next generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Hey, Basecamp Live listeners. So grateful that you've taken time to listen to this episode of Basecamp Live. It's always good to hear your questions and your comments. You can shoot me an email at info at basecamplive.com or give me a voicemail or text to 833-595-2929. That's 833-595-2929. I can remember years ago, a frazzled mom bringing her middle school son to my youth group where I was serving as an associate pastor. She literally walked him in the room holding his ear and announced that I would have to do something with him as she was giving up. Not super easy at that age without much consistent effort on her part for the last decade. Discipline is clearly called for in the Bible, but what does it look like today? So many competing voices, even in the Christian space. And even if you no longer have children at home, there are no doubt young families that need and will welcome your advice if you're a teacher or influencer in the lives of these families. Mike Jacobs is a good friend and mentor of mine. He and his wife, Cindy, are in their 45th year of marriage, and together they have raised three sons to know and love Jesus, who likewise married believing wives and are now raising nine young children on their own. Mike has been a longtime businessman in the forest products industry, and during that time, he's also served on the board of the Logos School, where his sons received their childhood education. He also served for many years as a church elder and as a volunteer with Young Life. From 98 to 2003, he and his family lived in the Dominican Republic as a way of broadening his son's education while he worked in a development position with the Young Life staff. Mike's interest in God's principles for discipline springs from his study of the Word of God as it applies to his and Cindy's parenting and grandparenting responsibilities and from seeing the unpleasant results in families that do not follow these principles. Here now is my conversation with Mike Jacobs. Well, Mike Jacobs, welcome to Basecamp Live. Thank you. Glad to be here today. It's so good to finally, and we're live. We were literally sitting together here um, in your wonderful townhome, looking out the window at a beautiful river here in Boise, Idaho. Um, it's so good to have you. You know, we've talked so much. You is you have become a great friend and mentor to me, and, and I know that um, years ago, Leighton Ford, Billy Graham's brother-in-law, who was also a mentor of mine, said it's so important for us to have uh, kind of three levels of mentors, people that are mentoring us, peer mentors, and people we mentor. Mm. And I'd put you in that first category of someone who's a little further on the journey by age and stage. And and I think today looking at, 
our audience at Basecamp Live, so many are, are young parents or educators, and it's really unfortunate we don't have a lot of generational wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. our churches separate people by age and stage, and a lot of folks show up at school and they are not living in the same community as their grandparents or even their parents. And so when it comes to parenting and discipline, as we're talking about, uh, you're kind of left on your own or guessing or going to YouTube. And so it's a challenge. And you have... Uh, You've got a lot of wisdom. We're looking forward to this conversation. But for folks that don't know you, Mike, tell a little bit of your story. You're kind of your face story and just where you've been. Sure. Um, I was uh, uh, raised in a large family. I was the oldest of six kids, and we were in a, a kind of a works-based religion. And uh, I knew from an early age that there really was a God, there really was a heaven and a hell. I believed in those pretty firmly. And so I was uh, about the business of trying to be good enough to get to heaven, and not because I was interested in God. I was afraid of God, and I didn't want to go to hell. Um, but it wasn't working out that great for me. Um, I didn't sense any peace with God. It was like life was about you know, trying to measure up somehow to some standard that seemed impossible. Um, and fortunately, when I was 16 years old, um, I uh, was invited to Young Life, and uh, it was like this totally foreign and, and lovely uh, environment where people were accepting me, um, where I could see people that really loved each other, that seemed to have this joy in Jesus that just didn't make any sense to me because it was so foreign. Um, and so I, I was listening uh, week by week to messages about you know, who Jesus is and what he said and how he interacted with people. And it was just fascinating. I was really drawn to it. Um, I ended up going to Young Life Camp that summer and had a wonderful time there. Again, uh, a lot of um, this sense of people who really, you know, kids my age who knew the Lord and had this joy. So um, I, I, I knew in my heart it was true, but in my head I couldn't quite reconcile it with my upbringing. And so when I got uh, rested, I got a good night's sleep after going to camp, which is pretty exhausting. Um, I went out to a Christian bookstore, and I bought some little booklets along the lines of how to be sure you're a Christian. And there and there, I saw um, in God's Word, you know, they had scriptures about, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I'm like, oh, wow, this is, it's really free. I don't earn it. It's a gift. And then, you know, I see uh, stuff like, um, and, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Um, who has the son has life. Who does not have the son does not have life. And so I, I, you know, between those scriptures and seeing how I could surrender my life to the lordship of Christ and invite Him to come in and be my Savior and Lord, I said, "Well, God said it," and I believed it, and that that really did settle it immediately. Um, you know, out in my backyard, uh, my folks' home in Phoenix, Arizona, um, I invited Jesus to come into my life, and I um, I sensed a peace right away. I just mm. right then and there. And, and knew for sure that I was reconciled to God, and so so that's kind of my faith story. Yeah, um, it's uh, and, and then and then fast forward, you're you know you're married, um, and you guys have how many kids now? You and Cindy? we have three kids, three uh, kids, nine grandchildren. Wow, yeah. and and uh, and you you know we're going to talk kind of as you entered into that young married now you've got kids stage. I mean you you had to work through kind of your own uh, how to how to parent best and and mm-hmm. what it look like um but you know i think discipline is one of those issues and we're kind of really zeroing in on that of um you know you've written and what we're going to make available to folks is this fantastic uh, basically a little mini book that you wrote. I think <laughs> it's just it, seven pages, seven pages. Well, people call those eBooks today and make a lot of money off of them. But, um, this was born out of what your own, your children, when they had children came to you and said, Hey dad, you did something right. We seem to, we're not in jail. We're okay. So, um, no, I'm kidding a bit, but what, what was the impetus behind writing this? Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, my youngest son, David, uh, had uh, two older brothers with kids, and he was seeing 
them grew up and he was uh he came to me and said you know uh i really like the way you know my brothers and i turned out and i'd really appreciate it if you would uh, put together how you and mom disciplined us growing up uh, how do you discipline young kids and how does all that work and so I, I took that really seriously it was like an honor to be able to be part of that process for him so um i, I put this together and i had my wife uh, edit it a little bit a bit and and uh, and a lot of it isn't really even my material honestly um, we had uh, great mentors. Tom and Jean Hamilton um, gave Cindy and I uh, great counseling through uh, church retreats uh, that would focus on uh, marriage or parental yeah. uh, discipline issues like that. And so, so there were. I know you wrote in the in the document there were four as far as sort of different influences that you had as a young parent. And again, I think this is really the what I think is really epidemic. And here we are as classical Christian school leaders, and we believe very much that we are under the, you know, in loco parentis is the phrase used, under the authority of the parent. So we're, we're basically hoping that kids show up at our schools that have got some basic level of family faith being taught and discipline happening in the home, and yet it's not happening more often than not. Um, but for you guys, you had, you mentioned in here just sort of the influences of a young parent. You had, obviously, God's Word was a big part of it, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. You mentioned this other couple. So were mm-hmm. they, how much older were Tom and... Oh, they're probably 10 years older. Their kids were a few years older than ours, so they've okay. gone through some of this on their own themselves. They spent a lot of time in the Word. We were in a you know, good yeah. uh, Bible-believing church, and, and so uh, we just had uh, folks who really had yeah. studied the Word and done a good job with their own kids yeah. to mentor us in it. Well, and I love, too, that, again, this is, a, I think, biblically, um, you know, the wisdom factor, the gray hairs. I guess you've got a few gray hairs <laughs> over there. Um, you get wisdom because of experience, and, what you know, there's a lot of uh, parenting you know, trendy thing of the day. Um, mm-hmm. I remember Holly and I were young parents and like the baby wise thing was out and it was all about just let your kid cry. And like, that was really trendy when they were young, you get the good discipline thing. And there was then baby Einstein, there's things that just come and go all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's great about what we're talking about here is this is born out of also practical experience. Mm-hmm. And you guys have really not only tried it, but you've also seen the fruit now X years forward, kids are even coming to you and saying, Hey, Hey dad, there was something you guys did. Mm-hmm. What was that thing? So, um, that's really helpful. So when we, you know, again, just kind of setting this up, what's your observation, Mike, kind of looking today, um, at, at where we are culturally disciplined in homes, what are you seeing? I mean, what, what's the problem? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm seeing three, uh, trends today. Um, a first trend, and I think it's one of the most serious ones, is it's a trend toward role reversal. Mm. In many homes today, it seems like children are training their parents instead of the parents training their children. Kids dictate what they want and when they want it. If they don't get it on their schedule, they start screaming, fussing, whatever it takes to get the parents to relent. And in time, the parent, or excuse me, the child has the parent trained to deliver and on the kid's mm. schedule. Nobody's happy. It's just it's a miserable home. So so role reversal. Who's who's in charge? And it's the kids. <laughs> I mean, you see it on well, grocery aisles where kids yeah. have to have what's there, and they scream if they don't. Mom's not wanting to be embarrassed, so she puts it in the cart. As you know, I, there's just to say on that. You know, I remember years ago. And this is it's gotten so much worse. I remember going running, going a VHS tape. You know, Lassie for young young Hannah to maybe watch. She was six or seven. I had to cut it off halfway through because the whole movie was so jaded towards mom and dad are imbeciles and little girl and dog are know the whole world and have it all figured out. And I'm like, this is Lassie. I mean, this was like yeah. G rated, but the undercurrent was, yeah, you know, upside down. Sure. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that role reversal is a, a huge problem. Yeah. Um, another trend is, is just, I don't know if it's a trend, but it's ignorance. Um, 
you know, my generation growing up in the 60s and 70s, that was kind of the peace, love, dope generation, mm. you know, and, and I don't think um, a lot of folks that went through that really were serious about disciplining their kids. It seemed, you know, uh, cruelty to animals to spank your kids or whatever. So there just wasn't any modeling mm-hmm. for today's parents. So, so um, kids, my kids' age today, who are now, you know, in their 30s or 40s or raising kids, didn't have any good modeling, a right. lot of them. Right. And it's not that parents don't mean well and try to discipline, just don't know how to do it properly. Um, they're afraid to offend the child, hurt its self-esteem. They're afraid of, uh, you know, secular accusations like, uh, you know, uh, corporal punishment, uh, emotional damage is going to be mm-hmm. done to your child, stuff like that. Um, so... Uh, just ignorance, just don't know how to do it. Well, and it is, and again, not not to point fingers in judgment, but it's also just because you're right. Where do you turn? You don't have grandparent generation around. Maybe right. not even parent. Maybe or maybe you're like the last thing I'm gonna do is to do it the way it was done to me. And you go to and the churches are maybe not always speaking to it, or if they are, people aren't taking advantage of it. So it, it is. It's just a lot of flying blind. So yeah, and I think part of that ignorance lends to this other trend of uh, isolation. You know, we're sending kids away from us when they're misbehaving. We, we send them out on timeouts. Uh, we want a change of scene for them. We'll give them video babysitters, whatever it takes to, mm. you know, get them away from us and get the noise to settle down. And eventually, the unhappy result is that kids don't want to be around their parents and vice versa. So kids come home from school. They immediately go to their bedroom. They shut the door. They turn on the TV or the Internet, and they're tuned out. They're, everybody's living in silos. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I have to think COVID's only made this infinitely worse, uh, in part because, uh, you know, parents are just worn, they've been worn out. You're right. That's one of your points is that some of this is just, you're so exhausted back to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Just give them the silly iPad so I can get through the grocery store without them having a fit. And then COVID, I think, has added that layer of maybe guilt or a sense of it's so hard on them. It's so hard on us. So we're going to indulge a little bit more and kind of let some things go that maybe we wouldn't have let go before. And so it's just compounded it. It seems like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, um, you know, are there particular behaviors? And I guess maybe back up a little bit and just say, you know, we talk about discipline, obviously that kind of birth to 18 journey, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different ages and stages and methods. And you're really, this is focusing more on that, early grammar school, yeah, young, young childhood. Yeah, from, right. from birth to six years old or so. Right. And, and it'll go on farther, obviously, but right. but it takes about six years to discipline a child to the point where they don't need spankings right. anymore. So right. the earlier you start, the better. So yeah. I, I, this is focused on my son's young children just about to get started in right. this process. Which again, and, and that's and this is, we're really going to get into the details of, of that age and stage. But, and if you're listening, you're like, oh yeah, but my kids are older. There's still a lot It'll here. Apply. There's a there's some application. <laughs> Maybe methodology shifts a bit. Yeah. We hope, but um, definitely a different world at that point. So let's um, kind of jump into that. You talked in your in your paper here just about the purpose of disciplining young children. Kind of talk about that. What's the the purpose of doing this? Well, let me uh, let me shift gears here just a little bit. Uh, the the purpose of discipline is threefold. Um, initially, we're trying to drive foolishness from the hearts of our children for their good. If you look at Proverbs twenty two fifteen, it says. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. It's not like our kids learn to be bad. Right. They start out as fallen beings. So that foolishness has got to be driven out. And we're not trying to change our children just to suit our preferences, but to form godly behavior. Right. Discipline is sacred, God-directed character formation. So first of all, we're driving the foolishness out. The second thing is we're disciplining our children to help them learn to submit their lives entirely to God. 
And so, you know, this journey starts with respect for the authority, first parental authority, you know, then maybe it's church authority, uh, teachers, uh, civil authority. But ultimately, the business is to help them develop um, uh, a respect for God and submit their lives to him. And can I just, I, I think that's such an important point, because I think we, you, you ask a parent, what do you want for your child? And I think most people listening to this know it's the answer is not the American. I want them to be happy. No, I want them to actually truly love Jesus. I want them to be you know, following after him. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that's dependent on the sense in which the authority structures of the world are rightly aligned. And everything in the culture today is saying, you can do anything, you can be anything, it's all about you. And it's completely uh, you know, antithetical to everything that says, no, we are to fall on our knees before a holy mm-hmm. God. So what you're saying is, this is part of the method of setting the course towards the child to understand not only themselves and their parents and peers, but their role with God, or yeah. their, their position towards God. Yeah, and, and parents shouldn't be afraid uh, to discipline. They should be running toward discipline. It's a teachable moment. It's an opportunity yeah. to share with them God's plan for their behavior. And it, God's about reconciliation. This isn't about beating a kid till they don't <laughs> want to be around you. It's about lovingly correcting behavior for the future. Um, the third, the third yeah. purpose of discipline, if you will, and, and it touches on uh, what you are just saying, ultimately, we're disciplining our children to help them mature to the point where they're independent mm-hmm. of their parents, and in that independence, they're loving the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. Yeah. They're loving their neighbor as themselves, a- apart from the home. Right. So that's that's where the purpose we're trying to get to. And I know some of your, at the end of your article, you reference other kind of great works in this area, like... Ted Tripp, Shepherding a Child's Heart, yeah. which is very much, again, you were about shaping the, the heart of the child. This is not just behavior mm-hmm. modification or, and that's another trap. I think parents think, well, I don't want to, I know behavior modification is wrong, so I'm going to go a different route. But, you know, shaping the child's heart, um, it sounds good. It sure is hard to do, but I think that's the, that's the big challenge. Uh, it kind of, in, in terms of the purpose of it, shaping their heart. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk before we take a break, just some of the key print. Well, are there some key principles at a high level we should think about here? Um, sure, yeah, there are. There's several. Um, first of all, children should be disciplined, not mm-hmm. punished. Um, God doesn't punish his children. Rather, he disciplines us because he loves us and wants to transform us into the image of Jesus. And so punishment is um, retribution that looks backward and it says, you're bad, right? and I'm going to punish you for that. Um, you're going to pay for your behavior and I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> because, you know, uh, so punishment is not what we're about. We're about discipline. Discipline looks forward to the future. It's loving teaching that looks to the future and says, your behavior indicates that you still have foolishness bound up in you. And if I leave it unaddressed, it's going to cause damage to you and your relationships all your life. And so because I love you and I want the best future for you, I'm going to correct you now in a memorable way that is going to help free you from this yeah. damaging behavior. So, yeah. so we want to discipline looking to the future lovingly, yeah. restoratively, not punishing, beating them up and sending them away right. from us. Another thing is to start early. I mean, people say, well, how soon should I start disciplining? Well, it's as soon as your um, child knows uh, what you're saying. He understands you and, um, and the behavior you expect of him and is capable of obeying you, but willfully defies you. And people will be surprised, but this really happens before the kid's a year old. Mm. They'll understand you, they'll get it, but they're doing their own thing anyway. And so it's when that willful defiance first starts. Because it does seem like there's a there again the the current of the culture would say they you can't really do anything until they're of an age of reason, and you don't want to you know stifle them and punish them in such a punitive way that it, it, it it's, whatever it, it harms them in some no, way. No, the, the, pro- the problem right? with that thought is you can't reason with a one year old or a two year old. You can't explain to them, but you can memorably 
um, discipline them physically in a way that doesn't damage their yeah. body or their psyche, but that associates a behavior with a right. consequence that, that reforms that behavior. Yeah. And we've got to start that early because the yeah. foolishness is bound up in there. And, and if you start early, by the time the kid's you know, two, three, four, five, six years old, they've been expecting this. This has been part of their existence their whole memory's life. And they're not going to um, run off. And So anyway, uh, another important principle of um, discipline is be certain your child understands your expectations. It's unfair to, uh, it's unfair to uh, spank a child that doesn't know why he's being disciplined. So let me give you just a few tips here. Get their attention. Get down on their eye level. So get down on your knees, whatever you need to do, and look into their eyes and, and uh, make sure that um, they're hearing you. Communicate directives in a way that there can be no question whether or not the, the response is obedient. Um, ask them to tell you what the, you just said. You know, uh, Ask if they understood or if they have any questions about what you said. So uh, if, if you do this, there's not going to be any of this, you didn't tell me or I didn't understand you or whatever excuses for disobedience yeah. later. So just make sure they understand uh, your expectations. Another important one is to discipline promptly after the offense. Discipline is both important and it's urgent. It can't wait. Um, it, you know, is your toddler going to make the connection two hours later when you get around to spanking or for disobeying your instruction for throwing food or hitting Billy or whatever? Probably not likely. Rather, it's going to seem like a random act of, of meanness. So um, don't wait around. Get it over with um, yeah. you know, prompt, prompt, uh, promptly after the offense. Another thing is we've got to be consistent. Both parents have to be on the same page. Um, they need to be ready to administer the needed correction at any time, in any place, and with the same method, the same love, the same intensity. Mm. Um, if the one parent is doing all the discipline, it's unfair to that parent because the kid's going to you know, resent that one and always play to the other one. And so it just, uh, it, it, this is just a really critical thing. Parents need to agree, uh, to agree on this, to both be doing the discipline when it's needed as, as the situations come up. So these are really, I feel like any one of these, we could go into a lengthy conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so the, again, the, the hope here is we're inspiring you just to, we'll have it on the show notes but to, you know, to get this PDF of this great wisdom. We're going to take a break before we do. Um, I want to, uh, you may have another comment, but I want to just make sure folks are tracking with. So we've been talking kind of why there's a problem. What do we really, uh, you know, we, this is really good principles of just how to engage, but really what it gets down to is like, okay, how do I do this? And, and I think the heart of it is, and you've mentioned spanking, which I think is really what we're getting at at that, in that age and stage, which yeah. is a huge, you know, people are like, wait, what is he talking about? <laughs> Not reasoning with my child. So go ahead. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. A couple, just a couple other principles. Yeah. I think they're really important. Yeah. You never want to discipline in anger. Right. Okay. Um, God's never surprised at our misbehavior, and we shouldn't be surprised at our kids' misbehavior either. God doesn't lose his temper or retaliate. We shouldn't right. be beating our kids, you know, unt- until we're happy again. Um, just uh, if, 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 you're, if you're angry, get away with God for a minute and get that dealt with before you discipline. I think that's really important. And the last thing here is just don't send your child away from you when he misbehaves. This business of sending people off on timeouts, go to your room, get out of my sight, they're just the opposite of how God responds to us. His discipline is to lovingly restore us to himself and toward healthy behavior. So if we're sending our kids away, it's just the opposite of modeling how God treats yeah. us. So we're going we're gonna to come back and kind of unpack this idea of spanking, which you know, I think it's clearly this biblical idea of, uh, of sparing the rod and spoiling the child. Um, it is so out of vogue, even in Christian circles right now, and it is something that is, uh, I, mean, it, I mean, not only um, ignored, but I think 
outwardly pushed against. And, and there's, you know, there's legal precedent now in the secular world coming in. 32 states are saying you cannot spank your child. And I think it's it's a really, and that's why we're having this podcast, because I think it's a really important question we need to wrestle through. So either mm-hmm. if it's not right biblically, you need to make that conclusion, or is it right biblically? I think there's a strong case we're making here. But then how does it done in such a way? And what do you do when you're in a state that you're not supposed to do it? And do you defile the civil authorities? I mean, <laughs> this thing gets really complicated really quickly. In the meanwhile, I little, think we can add some clarity. <laughs> in the meanwhile, little Johnny's quite spoiled. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and, uh, and hopefully make some sense of all this. Thanks. Uh, we'll be right back. It's time for another quick classical Christian Q&A with Dr. Tim Dernlin. Okay, Dr. Dernlin, the question this week is, why do classical Christian schools focus on cultivating virtue in students? Oh, that's uh, fantastic and a good question. Isn't there more to life than academics? Yes, there is. Um, True education goes beyond gaining academic knowledge and includes the formation of the whole student. Ancient philosophers and the founders of America and the Bible all advocate for the importance of cultivating virtue as a central component to a flourishing human being. You use that word a lot on this podcast, Davies, to be a flourishing human. And the Bible teaches us to supplement our faith with virtue. Um, that's found in uh, in Second Peter. And Aristotle prompted a life of virtue. He promoted that life as the only true way to achieve happiness or eudaimonia. So there's a lot packed into virtue formation and training. For Christians, Americans, or school culture to succeed, we need virtuous citizens. Citizens not only of America, citizens of our, our schools, but most importantly, citizens of the kingdom of God. And classical Christian schools take virtue formation seriously for this reason and spend time in class and outside of class forming virtuous citizens. Well, if there's ever been a moment in our history, certainly of late, that we need virtue, it's right now with the barbarians are at the gates, as they say, virtue is not just pie in the sky. It's the real deep character formation that we long for in in young people just to have civil society. So this is really practical too. Thank you so much, Dr. Dr. Dernland. Check out Dr. Dernland's book on 100 questions on classical Christian education. Got a question for him to answer on Basecamp Live? Send the question to info at Basecamp Live or leave us a message by voice or text on the Basecamp hotline, 833-595-2929. That's 833-595-2929. We look forward to hearing from you. So, Mike, as we think about this really critical topic of uh, of discipline, and as we've narrowed it down uh, to this idea of kind of spanking, I mean, this is a, this is we live in a very overreactive society where spanking is really something parents, you know, I think probably question it, even the best of Christian parents, and think, well, you know, a they may be living in a state where you could get locked up for spanking your kid, and b is it even the right approach uh, for today? Um, and, and I think that there's certainly, we're in a very emotionally fragile time. And I think there's a lot of parents who have been angry and have taken, you know, have crossed the line from biblical mm-hmm. spanking into kind of abusing or over sure. stretching it. And so, you know, but like anything in life, just because some people have made a mess of it doesn't mean we need to throw the whole thing out. So, you know, you comment in your paper that it's the primary means of discipline. Um, so can't we just have a good discussion with our children about their needs or, you know, take away their fruit loops for a few minutes? I mean, why are these other things 
maybe if those aren't the right way, why is it the primary way of mm-hmm. uh, discipline in your mind? Sure. Well, um, we never want to overreact to our kids in disciplining them, but parents should be con- uh, considering spanking because it's God's design means of correction. Mm. This isn't just something that Mike Jacobs made up. Um, <laughs> You know, got over and over again. I mean, I've got a whole page full of scriptures that, you know, if anybody orders this paper, they're going to yeah. see. And by the way, there's no, there's no cost. It's just you download it for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and so you have a situation here, Davies, where, you know, God is saying, hey, here's how it's done. And we have the civil authorities, maybe these 32 states saying, hey, don't do it that way. You know, we're to obey the civil authorities up until the point where they tell us don't do it the right. way God says to do it. Right. So, so parents have to make a choice here, but... Um, We'll be going into some principles later about how to administer discipline that'll make it clear this isn't some overreaction, you know, beat the tar to your kids until you feel better or until you're sure they've learned the lesson. Uh, this is a loving uh, uh, a manner of disciplining that is not overreacting. It's not, you know, spanking six times a day, anything crazy like that. It's corrective be- uh you know, discipline toward godly behavior. Um, and, and we can't just have a good discussion with a two-year-old. Um, they need a memorable uh, physical reminder of the consequence of disobedience. And so spanking is filling that bill very well. And, and God gives us clear instruction on it. We'll look at it in a bit. But uh, Yeah, and, and before we get into that, I mean, just again, just to reaffirm, it, the, you're, this isn't some... Uh, Mike Jacob just wakes up in the morning <laughs> looking for a kid to go spank. Or, you know, even with your own kids... Um, and I can think about it, you know, raising our three kids. That, you know, this is again a small. It's a small season. If done well, it is not a daily activity. It's. It's in fact, if you just no, do it every a few once, times a year, maybe if if right. if, you, if you're doing this well from the beginning, it'll be a very random, uh, not random, excuse me, but very occasional right uh, event, mm-hmm. which is really important. So let's get really practical. Walk us through some of the um, how to administer this type of discipline. Sure. Um, first thing I want to say is that uh, discipline should be an event. This is a time of teaching a life lesson, and it's a time when the child's going to be very emotionally vulnerable to how you treat them. So it's very important to do this well. For young kids, uh, really young kids um, that can't understand speech, um, if they've clearly defied your will, you're going to want to take their their pants down, take their diaper off, give them three smart uh, swats across the bottom with a wooden paddle, and then that's it. You you redress them, you hold them in your arms, speak reassuringly to them until they've ceased crying, and then you just treat them normally. The discipline's over, everything's okay, there's nothing between you. They're going to immediately go back to playing with their Barbie dolls or their, well, it won't be Barbie dolls for a toddler, but whatever they're doing, uh, it's going to be over, and they're going to be moving right on. Can I just, for clarification, because you had mentioned before, you know, obviously, this isn't something one does in public. This is where, you know, in, in any regard. Um, <laughs> but you're at the grocery store, and Johnny has a complete meltdown, and this is, you know, <laughs> and this is the time now that Johnny's crossed the line. How, you mentioned you kind of need to do these things promptly. So, I mean, do you say something to Johnny at the grocery store? Okay, like, all right, that's... Because the whole point here is if that's the ultimate discipline, then your words ought to have more weight. So you should be able to say something to Johnny that would ultimately cause him to go, okay, this is... A, I've crossed the line, and B, it's not going to be great when I get home. Is that is that kind of practically how that works in your mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, if if you're doing the job of disciplining when it's needed, Johnny's going to respond to your voice. We're going to get into that. Yeah, great. Here, okay. uh, and in fact, um, th- that's actually the the first point uh, about how to administer discipline. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's, yeah. to, it's discipline in private. You want to take the kid to a bedroom uh, when it's possible and close the door, um, especially for older children. We never want to publicly humiliate our kids. So if you get a situation like you're talking about at the grocery store and the kid already is predisposed to, to listen to your voice and respond to you, 
um, they're going to, you know, get over with it. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then you can tell them, look, Johnny, you know what's going to happen here? We're going to go to the car and you're going to have spanking. <laughs> and, and he'll shape up or yeah. you'll take him to the car. Right, right. <laughs> Okay. So you don't advocate the count to three and you will pull yourself together. Right? No, because when you say, when you get into the mode of saying, I'm going to count to three, or if you haven't done it by the time or right. whatever, you're giving the kid uh, time to disobey you. Mm -hmm. You're facilitating willful disobedience. Don't, don't do it. They should be responding to your yeah. voice right yeah. now. Great. Okay. So, <laughs> Good to know. We, we, didn't, we haven't talked about you know, reasons to spank, you know, but we may get to that or we may not. Yeah, but, yeah. But willful disobedience is always you know, a spankable offense. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. All right. Um, so discipline in private. Um, okay, so you're up there in the bedroom, and you want to sit down with your kid and talk it over a little bit. You want know, a little face-to-face, -face, a calm discussion about his behavior and why he must be disciplined. You want to keep in mind that behavior, it's, it's the behavior that is not acceptable, not the child. Um, you're, you're loving your child, and you love them enough to help, help them uh, have this misbehavior business removed from them, and you want to instill appropriate behavior through discipline. And you don't have to get theological with your kid every time you sit down and talk with them, but you ought to be some discussion of what happened here, Johnny, and, and why, and why you need to discipline them for it. And then, you know, pray with your child if you feel led to. Um, God is very much interested in this discipline, and it's good for your child to know that God is with you both through it, and that it is His will and His way, not just your own will you're trying to enforce on the kid. Um, okay, so now comes time for the business of the spanking. So you want to bear their bottom, okay? Take the child's pants and underwear. Is that a biblical term, by the way? Uh, it's bear not, their bottom? I don't think that's a biblical <laughs> term. But it's, it's in Hebrew, I think. Yes. Yeah, well, it might be, yeah. but at any rate, you know, get those pants off and the diaper off if they're young. Um, and lean them over the end of the bed. If the child's old enough, have them take their own pants down because you, you don't want to be, uh, you want to progressively be giving them more privacy and so forth about their, their own person. But anyway, lay them over the end of the bed, and the child should be compliant too. If they're fighting your discipline, that's maybe cause for uh, further discipline for disobedience. But at any rate, um, so when you got a bare bottom, they're laying down over the bed. Spank them in a calm and controlled manner. Administer three firm swats across both cheeks, and this is really important. It must hurt. Um, and that's the reason for the bare bottom, is so that it does hurt, okay? But you can't just dink them with the paddle either. It's mm -hmm. got to smart. So if it doesn't hurt, the whole exercise is going to be a farce, and there's going to be no correction of the behavior. Um, there's a wise saying that the price one pays for his offense must be high enough that he will not be willing to pay it again. So, right. you know, you don't want to beat the tar out of your kid here, but it just needs to smart. And if you're doing this well, it's normally going to bring tears to your kid's eyes for a bit, um, but then it's going to pass. So um, anyway, so... So make sure it, it smarts. And then uh, immediately when it's over, it's very important to restore your child. Put their clothes back on or have them dress themselves. Hug your child, hold your child, remind them that you love them and that it's over. There's nothing between the two of you. So dry the tears uh, as soon as your child has regained composure um, immediately and fully restore them to their pre-offense status. Uh, you know, genuine forgiveness is fully restorative. This is how God disciplines us. He's disciplining us for our good that we might... Um, have a, a well-balanced, happy uh, life in fellowship with him. It's not uh, punishment. It's, right. it's looking to the future toward good, good corrected behavior. Um, and then finally, type any loose ends. If the child's defense calls for asking forgiveness of their sibling or some other party um, you know, or making restitution, have them ask for that forgiveness or make that restitution immediately following the discipline. Um, and and let, me, let me just give you a word on apologies. Saying sorry is not... Uh, an apology. Mm. An apology will name the offense and ask forgiveness. So it'd be something like, um, Sarah, I'm really sorry I punched you in the nose. Will you please, please forgive me? And then, you know, Sarah should be taught too that 
yes, I forgive you, Johnny, so that we've got a restoration of that relationship each time. So, so that's it. Um, this is how God would have us discipline our children in a loving, memorable, restorative manner yeah. for yeah. their good. Well, and again, it, just hearing you walk through that is, is helpful because, again, I think, again, the, the many listening and kind of the cultural voice of the day is this is not appropriate. And, and again, you're, there's a very specific methodology here, and I think it's not you never do it or if you do it, it's abusive. There's a middle safe space, uh, if I can use <laughs> that term, where it hurts, but it's not abusing or injuring the child. Absolutely not. And I mean, I think there's no, and this is again, the yeah. danger of probably over the years, too many genuinely angry parents, because often yeah. if the child's warranting a spanking, something's probably happened, which means the parent's on edge. So it's never, it's it's set up well to cause problems yeah. if you don't manage it well. Right. Yeah. And just from my own experience, my parents were spankers. Um, I received several spankings in the early years. I can't remember any specific one, only that I was spanked. It didn't do me any permanent emotional damage. I just <laughs> you're not in therapy yeah, for it right now. <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> so just just trust me in this. Um, your parents, or excuse me, your kids will grow up to love yeah. you for having disciplined them, for yeah. forming good character in them, and and they won't be remembering that you beat the tar out of them. Right. Don't beat the tar out of them. Right. But well, and again, again, it just keep, <laughs> it gets such it's such a contrast. I'm trying to call out all these sort of um, false impressions that float about. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the school marm who's got the ruler and, you know, popping every kid. I mean, you know, it, it's like a, a, the right idea executed horribly wrong. And so yeah. the whole thing gets thrown out. And and I yeah. think that's a, you know, another comment just on something you said in that walkthrough of the points was, you know, kids today, part of it is that we don't talk about sin. We don't really address, again, I'm speaking to culture and even certain factions within the Christian world, you know, Christian light is, uh, it is a broken world, and sin mm-hmm. has a consequence, and and redemption is real. And I think it seems very theologically correct if they don't have to encounter the the consequences of sin, uh, then you're setting them up just for a life of not really caring about the gospel. I mean, if I can make that point, I mean, yeah. it seems like that's a, a really important piece to understand. So, uh, other anything else as far as the uh, uh, just looking at how to administer and. You know, how that process no, works? I, yeah. No, that's pretty much it. It's just, it's just that you know, you need to be in control of yourself and make mm-hmm. sure you're not disciplining in anger. Yeah. And then you know, explain to your kid. Yeah. You know why they're being spanked. And yeah. Get on with the business and then restore them fully and have them deal with any, uh, you know, restitution yeah. or, or uh, reconciliation that's required. Well, maybe we should go back to as we're kind of winding it down here, but just the reasons because I think again, does everything if picking on poor Johnny, it might be Susie sometime, but, you know, <laughs> but we could stay with Johnny for a minute. If Johnny is, uh, you know, just being a little difficult, I mean, does, what warrants the spanking? I mean, is it, where is it, where are those lines? Yeah, I, I think that's important to cover that. Um, here's the thing. Um, willful disobedience really needs to be addressed in, in, in discipline. Here's the thing. It might be tempting to think that your child doesn't need to discipline, be disciplined in a given situation because what you asked of him wasn't that important or urgent. If you say, you know, Billy, tie your shoes, and he takes his sweet time to get it done, there really isn't any big consequence uh, that that uh, that that comes of that. But if you tell Susie, Susie, don't run out into the busy street, and and she doesn't pay attention, you know, we have a real serious consequence physically. Okay, so the one situation, not much consequence. The other, a great consequence. But the issue here is not the consequence. The issue is is whether they're hearing and obeying your voice. It's disobedience. That's what's got to be disciplined. We're trying to teach kids to respond to our voice 
because ultimately we need them to respond to God's voice. And if they don't learn that, um, you know, maybe all is lost. Yeah. So willful disobedience needs to be res- be uh, dealt with, and and it's again, it's the business of responding to your voice in a timely manner. Another thing, uh, just real quick here, is lying. Scriptures list several things that God's ha- God, things that God hates, and a lying tongue is near the top of the list. It's uh, representative a bunch of awful traits, deceit, dishonesty, unfaithfulness, cheating, betrayal, all kinds of stuff. Our children must know that lying is never acceptable, and you want to drive that out as soon as possible. A um, couple more things, and that's about it. Um, intentionally injuring another person. This could be physical or emotional uh, injury, um, hitting, biting, pushing down, striking with an object, calling names, that kind of stuff. Um, tolerating that kind of behavior teaches our kids that it's okay to be a bully. And we're not raising bullies here. We're trying to raise kids that are going to be godly, gracious men and women here. And then finally, you don't want to let the kids work parents against each other. This is when one parent says no, and then you go to the other parent to ask yes. That's a deceitful, Mm -hmm. deceptive, uh, rebellious, dishonest kind of behavior that shouldn't be tolerated. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Now, I want to, again, jump to a few more final questions here, but just off the top of your head. Kind of another kind of trendy discipline out there now is just the idea of natural consequences. Like, you know, if, if Johnny doesn't uh, follow through um, and is late, then he's just going to have to deal with the consequences of that. I mean, is there a, where does that yeah. fit in? Um, yeah. There is a, natural consequences are a really good teacher, and there's a good place for that. Typically, that's going to be with children as they're getting a little bit older, though. Right. This, this business of spanking should really be uh, about done with by the time a kid's six years old if you start right, right away. If you wait, it's going to take you, you know, six years whenever you start, and it's going to be more painful because a kid's going to really react to this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's talk, but, about, yeah, and on that note, because again, I think there are plenty of people listening that don't have kids in the zero to six age and maybe didn't follow this and are now. Now, what what do you do when Johnny's all of you know twelve or thirteen and yeah you know, you that, don't that's a good question anymore. yeah yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think there's, you know, at 13, it's, it's too late to get started with the paddle. I mean, you don't want to be so. embarrassing yeah. and invading your kid's private space and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think there's a great place for humility here where you go to your kids. You know, you want, you want to think about what you're going to do and so forth. And when you've got a, a plan thought out that you think is really following God's direction, then you sit down with your kids and you say, you know what, Mom and I haven't really done a great job disciplining you. And it's something God's instructed us to do for your good. And we need to do that. And so it's going to be tough at first. We're going to show some grace to you. I mean, you know, you're in, in a mode where, you know, you might not be listening to us and disobey us three, four, five, ten times a day. And we're not going to spank you or withhold a privilege or whatever ten times a day. So, you know, when we see you acting online, we're going to say, hey, remember this talk we had where we're going to start doing discipline? You know, the first discipline was going to be X. And so, you know, I'm going to give you some grace on this one, but the next time we see this again, we're going to institute it. So just fair warning, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you got to work with your kid to figure that out. But um, I think you do need to get started, but you need to communicate clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you doing this? What, what's the end goal? That it's not punishment. It's right. discipline toward a good future for them yeah. that's in keeping with God's design for how. Well, and, and I'm thinking, as you're saying that, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the... the uh, kids that are older i mean if you took their phone away i think they'd rather be spanked 10 times than lose their phone for an hour you know that's yeah another or, or a day or a week <laughs> or, or indefinitely yeah. yeah so um let's shift gears one more time you know i think again folks listening that are teachers and administrators one of the more challenging uh, realities is you were given these students to work with who come from such a variety of home and life environments and different mm. discipline environments how do you how do you help 
uh, guide a, a child, in your opinion, Mike, who, who's not in a home. There was no spanking. This one was not done well. And, and they may all love Jesus, but they're a bit unruly. What do you do? Any advice to those in the school world? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, it's, I, I feel like you need to have parental consent to begin any kind of disciplinary process with their kid, but you can't have an unruly kid in the school either. So you've, you've got to come to some agreement with the parents, and then mm-hmm. you've got to go ahead and, and, and uh, enforce that in, uh, in practice in the classes. So, you know, I think... Um, yeah, it's, it's hard when... You, I mean, you did Young Life for years, so you experienced this where it was like, here's Johnny. I can remember <laughs> yeah. doing youth ministry and literally, have, literally having a mom walk in, probably a 13-year-old, by the ear and say, he's here for youth group. I can't do anything else. See if you can help him. And I'm like, okay, we it's a little late. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really unfair to yeah. put that on you. But yeah, yeah, I don't I don't have any great ideas for you. There. Okay, well, uh, you know, I, I think you know as we get into you know thinking about um, you know how teachers and administrators can uh, administer discipline in, in keeping with their policies and so forth. Yeah, I have some ideas yeah, for you sure. there. But, yeah, I love to hear it. You know, I think um, you know. If, if administrators um, can explain the school's behavioral expectations and the disciplinary parents up front prior to admission and get their agreement on it as a condition of admission, then you've got permission to discipline that kid, okay? And then um, in the, at the beginning of the semester, maybe every semester, maybe it's just in the fall, but either way, clearly explain the same expectation and policy to students as classes are beginning so that right off the get-go, the parents have said, okay, we subscribe to the school's discipline policy, and right off the get-go, the kids know what that is when they first start classes, and so when it comes time to discipline Johnny or Susie or whoever your kids were, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they knew, and you can refer back, yep. and then discipline can be fairly and uniformly administered along the lines we've discussed today to the benefit of everyone involved. Yeah, yeah, which is, again, this is the beauty, when all, all systems are online, it's when there are problems, and I've seen it done well, where the problems at school which come up, but there's a short uh, you know, or, or easy distance back to the family and mom and dad activate. I mean, this is probably one of the greatest broken spots in American education is where, you know, moms and dads disagree and, you know, take the side of the child. I mean, it, hopefully in classical Christian schools, that's not typically <laughs> the case, but when home and school are working together, Johnny and Susie are having a, their universe lines up and it makes sense and expectations are the same. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Well, why don't you kind of give us it's, to sum it up? What would be kind of a good summary of all of this? Sure. It, yeah. Um, well, discipline is a critical part of good parenting, obviously. Um, if it's done well in conjunction with good spiritual instruction, godly example, a healthy family life, and good education, sons and daughters are ultimately going to rise up to bless their parents and honor God. That's what we're really after. Mm-hmm. They're going to have successfully become independent. They're going to be well on their way to loving the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind and strength and loving their neighbors themselves. That's, that's what we're really all about. Um, and so even though they're going to be flawed um, and they're going to be living out God's instructions imperfectly, they're going to be making good and wise choices. They're going to be happy, yeah. healthy, productive members of society, and they're going to be exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit in everything they do. Yeah. That's what we're really after. So, you know, I guess as a final word, I'd encourage each parent to take time to meet with your spouse and come to agreement on how you're going to discipline your children as God has modeled and instructed. You need to be on the same page. And the sooner you come to agreement, the earlier you start disciplining together as one, the sooner you're going to see this sweet mm. fruit of good character forming in your children. Because God's design works. Mm. Well, I think that's such great advice. And again, in our 
in our priority sets as parents, I mean, that's a great word of encouragement just to sit down and make sure you're on the same page. And even if you're already in the journey or this isn't like as the child's coming home first born from the hospital, have the conversation for sure. But anywhere in that process. And and I think I'm sure I'm confident there's alignment um, that needs to continue to happen. And because that seems like the ultimate, not only is there a, uh, you don't want loopholes, you don't want a loophole between the home and the school where there's two different uh, modes of operation and you certainly don't want mom and dad. That's been one of the bigger problems I've seen over the years is, you know, mm-hmm. dad is compliant and gives ice cream willy nilly and mom's like only on Friday night and it's like kid plays to dad and, and like <laughs> nothing worse than a divided home. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Gotta be on the same page. Same page. Well, Mike Jacobs, thanks so much for this wisdom. It is really a, a gift and I, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, those who are on that journey and with younger children that put this into practice, will see the fruit as you have in your own life with your kids and now with grandkids. So, yeah. Well, it's been a privilege. Thanks for having me. And uh, again, if anybody's interested in learning a little bit more detail and present a little bit more clearly, uh, they're welcome to order that paper free charge. Just go to yep. Just go to basecamplive.com right there under under the um, listing of all the details. Actually, there's there's two documents to be clear. There's this one that kind of walks through the very specifics of the process, and there's just another I think dedicated to the scripture that kind of reference that you're referencing throughout. So very helpful, Mike Jacobs. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Hey, Basecamp Live listeners, thank you again for listening to this episode and for your faithful support and encouragement for going on four years of podcasting. It was so good to meet many of you in person this summer at the ACCS and SCL conferences, and I always appreciate getting your emails. Reach out to me. Let me know where you're listening from, what's on your mind. You can get to me at info at basecamplive.com. This fall is going to be an exciting time for Basecamp Live with some new formats and updates coming to the show. We are also grateful for the number of individuals and organizations who partner with us. So a quick shout out to these groups who I know personally, they're leaders and the quality of the resources that they provide both to individuals and to schools. First of all, the focus group. If you're running a capital campaign or working on a major donor development project, they are accomplished, skilled, and ready to serve you. Secondly, Classical Academic Press, Chris Perrin and his team continue to build a wealth of curriculum and training materials for your classical Christian education, whether you're teaching at home or at school. Thirdly, Scola Inbound Marketing. Their proven model is helping schools attract and keep new families, a value to any school. And then Fourthly, the CLT or Classic Learning Test. Jeremy Tate and his team provide students with an alternative standardized test that is a much better way for students to demonstrate their knowledge and abilities. As we know, the SAT and ACT are being set aside by so many colleges and universities. So thank you so much for these resources and and options that are given to us by these great sponsors. Finally, again, let us know where you're listening from, info at basecamplive.com. We'll connect with you again on our next episode. Thanks again for listening.